It's time for the Hammer Down Show with Jared Jesselitis. Oh, yes. And what was that beginning, middle, and end part again? Streaming online at 1017thehammer.com. All right, sounds good. Let's do this. team that had a lot of man they had a, a, a lot of hype in the season and some issues and uh that high ranking i mean they just have not lived up to it but we'll take a look at what this mccutcheon maverick team has done over the last couple of weeks we got a lot to put in perspective with him so uh we'll talk with coach josh Strasser here in about about 15 minutes or so plus uh our uh Purdue Boilermakers have a full football schedule now, officially, for next season. We'll talk about that and more, plus the things that we missed. Gosh. Uh, this Russell Wilson thing. I'll get to it later. Let's go ahead and get started like we always do. Need to know news time. Here's your need to know news. Okay, uh, I want to start with the Blackhawks last night. Oh, my gosh. Four wins in a row. And they beat the Panthers, too, 4-2. to two. Radish, Kane, Taves, Kershev, all with goals last night. I am a little shocked, for being honest. <laughs> Just, <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I'm speechless. Absolutely speechless, four in a row. Now, three of those wins were the Sharks, the Red Wings, and the Kraken, but this... Panthers game is uh, pretty darn impressive. Blackhawks racked up uh, 14 penalty minutes. They were outshot 31-22, and they still won by two goals. Florida goes 0-for-6 on the power play, including darn near two minutes of five-on-3. They're terrible on the power play. Oh, my goodness. I'm like 2-31 and on the power play this season. Just horrendous. But, hey, the uh, Blackhawks get a W. They get a night off tonight. They're going to host the Oilers tomorrow. That'll be a uh, much different story, I think. Oilers are pretty darn good most seasons. And this is not an exception. I mean, they are just absolutely – they put up points. They put up a lot of points. Only 3-3, and but uh, they'll come into uh, the Madhouse on Madison tomorrow where the Blackhawks – are undefeated at home. Put this in perspective, last year, the Blackhawks were that stinker of a year. They had two four-game win streaks. They only had two other instances outside of those where they won back-to-back games all year. So, yeah, this is pretty good. Considering how horrendous their start was last season, and I mean, like, it was historically bad. I mean, they lost their first. They didn't get a win until their 10th game. And even then, they started at 1-9-2. So 3-0 at home. And 4-2 total. It's pretty darn impressive uh, for your Blackhawks. 
Uh, speaking of Chicago, the Pacers are up there to take on the Bulls tonight. Seven and a half point underdogs are the blue and gold. Uh, Jaden Ivey getting after it last night again, uh, but the Pistons only one and three now. They lose to Washington, one twenty to ninety nine. Ivey with eleven points. He was one of three from behind the arc. Four ten overall. Added in two rebounds, four assists, and two steals. The schedule has been set for Purdue football. So COVID kind of screwed up everything. So they had to nuke some things, and now it's all set. We're good to go. So the 2023 campaign features seven games at Ross Eight Stadium. That's the most home games in the season since 2019. This will also be the first year with that new TV deal. So you'll get games on BTN, CBS, Fox, NBC, and Peacock. No ESPN. All Purdue games have the chance to uh, be selected and moved to Fridays or other special days, which will be announced in the near future. So you gotta, you got to keep that all in perspective. You have five weekends in September, and Purdue is playing at home on four of them, which is crazy. They open up with back the they open up with Fresno State at home at Virginia Tech. You get Syracuse to come back here, followed by Wisconsin and Illinois, and that's just September. One home game in October, that's Ohio State on the 14th, and then two in November, Minnesota on the 11th, Indiana on the 25th. Uh, Purdue will also have to go to Michigan uh, next year as well. All right, that will do it. That is today's Need to Know News. A little light Wednesday here, but the uh, schedule releases something, so we got that going for us, which is pretty darn nice. All right, let's uh, go ahead and take a look at our best bets. Last night, uh, we definitely hit with the Gossip Spare uh, prop. That was plus money, which was really nice. I Because we only had the one thing, I threw the over on that Blackhawks game, and uh, we come up a goal short on that, which is a bummer. You would think Florida, uh, with all the talent they have, the amount of shots they take, would have had uh, at least one more goal, but it doesn't turn out that way. It's still a positive night because the big one hit with Gossip Bear. So uh, we want to do it here again this evening. All right, let's get into the uh, Pacers and the Bulls tonight. It's a seven-and-a-half point spread this evening. I will tell you this, my friends over at DraftKings let you choose the spread boost. You can get the uh, the 7.5 points for the Bulls, or you can uh, take the uh, plus 7.5 on the uh, Pacers tonight. They'll boost that to 115. Whatever spread you want to take, instead of minus 110, they will boost it to plus 115. Who do I like here? I, I like the Bulls. Can they cover the 7.5? That's a great question. Look, uh, my favorite bet out of this, to be honest with you, is you go into the quarters and you take the Bulls minus two and a half. That's my favorite one here tonight. Uh, the Pacers' defense is just bad. They are uh, 25th out of 30 teams in defensive rating so far this season. Pacers have allowed each of their opponents to go over their first quarter team total so far this season. So the Bulls would have to come out to cover uh, that first quarter team total. At uh, It's at 31 right now, 31 and a half. So I would probably like to take the Bulls minus two and a half of the first quarter on the spread 
and that team total. That's what uh, that's what the statistics are telling me to do. Either one is probably good. I'll probably lean more on that. Let's just let's make it the official one is the Bulls team total first quarter over 31 and a half. I'll take that. So I'm in on that. If you want to go ahead and take the spread boost prop, I just I think it's that I think it's that seven and a half. For the Bulls. I'm sorry, I should have been more specific on that. That's if you want to go that way. I wish I could use the spread boost on the uh, two and a half for the first quarter, but you can't do that. So that's that play right there. We'll go ahead and we will ride with the uh, we'll, we'll ride with the Bulls, but I, I do like the team total. That's the official one on the card. If I have to pick, I take that seven and a half and the Bulls to cover. Uh, they've been pretty darn good. Uh, now I got to throw in the, these hockey these hockey prop bets have been crushing it for me, haven't they? We've been doing pretty darn good here over the last two weeks with them. I got another one here for you. I feel pretty good about this one. Get all my tipsters, and I try to figure something out. And I think I got something good for you tonight. We're going to go with Anders Lee of the New York Islanders. Over two and a half goals tonight is at plus 135. Oh, I love this. I love this. Lee has covered this in three of his last four. So he's not been he's off to a pretty solid start here. The other good news here is that the Rangers last night played in overtime and they lost in the shootout. So I like that aspect of this as well that the Rangers probably tired and they they played the um I mean, they played uh, the Avalanche. So, you know, that's that's a lot of up and down the ice. That's a lot of up and down the ice. So, I think they're going to have some tired legs out there tonight. Uh, that bodes well for us here in getting these shots off. Uh, the Rangers are kind of middle of the pack in getting shots off. Um, Halak will be in goal. He gives up a lot which is a little bit of a concern because you don't need a high volume of shots on him. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see, but that's the one I like there tonight. Looking at his history of shots on goal, too, this season, 3-4-1-6-1-2. All right, so we're 50, we're 50% on him on the season covering that. But I think with a tired New York team that gives up an average amount of shots, I feel pretty good in this one. I feel pretty solid on this one, all right? It's a, it's a short slate. Uh, I'm sure if we had a full slate of games, I'd, I'd probably go someplace else. But given that we only have a few games tonight, we just have the Bulls and the Pacers, a little bit hard to find some great value here this evening. But I think all things considered... Uh, again, I like Anders Lee, the uh, the Islanders tonight, to go over his uh, two and a half. That's a plus money, which is why I really love it. The plus money. So that's going to be the pick right there. All right, we'll go with that Bulls first quarter team total and uh, over, and then we'll go with uh, Anders Lee over the two and a half shots on goal tonight against the Rangers. Those are the plays, all right? Best of luck. Uh, let's see if we can uh, hit another couple of... Uh, 
good legs here this evening. We're going to take a little time out. We're going to come back. I got Coach Josh Strasser of the McCutcheon Mavericks ready to go next. Stick around for that talk. And a little bit later on, we break down what to look forward to here in this Boilermaker football schedule for next season. That's all coming up here on the uh, Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer. What? All right, welcome back to the uh, Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer and 1017thehammer.com. Over to our Blue Fox Heating and Cooling Hammerhead Hotline we go. Coach Josh Strasser of the McCutcheon Mavericks on with us. Uh, spent last week on a bye week, but they'll get to Cater Central uh, this week in the first round of their sectional matchup. Coach, always a pleasure to have you back here. Uh, so we talked about this a little bit last week, your plans uh, for your first ever bye week. And when you were at Delphi, and of course in time before that over at uh, West side, uh, you guys play the full, you know, the full three games to try to win a sectional championship. Here, uh, you get the bye week in that first week, and it was a little bit new to you and your coaches. So, um, you had your plan. Uh, I'm sure you executed it. H- how did the bye week go for you guys? What did you do exactly? Yeah, it was phenomenal for us. You know, we gave our kids some time off uh, over fall break. Got got to buy them a, a day, which is always nice, uh, especially this time of year. Um, I know the kids appreciated that, and we've noticed that uh, in our energy level uh, over the past few practices. Um, you know, so we we came out and kind of initiated a plan last week on on what we wanted to do in all three phases of the game um, for this Friday. And uh, you know, the nice thing is, you know, having a bye week, it's kind of like that first week you can try things out, and then you can evaluate that over the weekend in our staff meeting, and then kind of come back and make some tweaks. So. Um, you know, two weeks two weeks to prepare for an opponent is, is kind of nice. Uh, it, it it does take some. Um, I, I I think there's a challenge there to keep the kids hungry. Um, but you know, right now we're we're able to keep the kids healthy, get them some rest, and be able to you know spend some extra. Um, I would say defense all things uh, that that we want to do in in all three phases for Friday night. So that's interesting. So you don't feel like uh, maybe that first day back where uh, you gave them the day off and they come back, uh, you didn't feel like there was a uh, lack of energy, didn't feel like maybe there was a a lack of focus that first one. They just kind of got right back into the mix of things? Yeah, you know, all we did was we we kept the same schedule, but we just bumped everything back a day. So that first day back after, you know, we gave them last Monday off. We come back on Tuesday. Tuesday was our meeting day, our film day. And then we get outside and uh, we get on the field a little bit. We'll kind of go through our, our initial uh, game plan. Um, and then we went Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We practice on Friday as well. Um, so a little different practicing on a Friday and not, not having a game. But, uh, you know, we, we, we kept the, the practices a little bit shorter than normal, allowed our kids to get home and get some rest and focus on, focus on some homework and things like that. And um, I, we've really seen – I think we've seen the benefits of us shortening the week up and getting them some rest last week. Talking with Coach Josh Strasser here on our uh, Hammerhead Hotline, and you were telling me, too, you got a little bonding time in with your coaches on Friday night with no game. Yeah, you know, we, we really looked at uh, trying to be able to go somewhere, and, uh, you know, we were going to have to travel a little bit, and we just decided to get together, spend some time together, order, order up some pizza, and, um, you know, be able to watch the ISSA network and flip back and forth and watch some games. So, we enjoyed, uh, you know, it's always, you know, whenever whenever you're not playing on Friday night and there's games going on, we're always trying to find some place to go. So we had the best of both worlds. We could all be together, and uh, we all didn't have to travel very far, and we could watch a lot of games. 
Uh, well, you've uh, definitely had some time to watch a lot when it comes to uh, Decatur Central, your opponent for this week out of the Mid-State Conference. Uh, we talked a little bit with uh, Coach Terry Peebles yesterday just about how tough that conference is. Uh, it tends to be uh, pretty darn physical, kind of grimy as well. Um, that's how I've always known Decatur Central to kind of play. It's never been uh, a lot of flash. It's been a very kind of physically dominating type brand of football uh, that they like to play down there. Uh, what do they look like when you see them on film? You know, they are um, they, they are a physical team, and they're a team that wants to grind you out on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, you know, I would say the roster is different from what they, they thought they were going to have at the beginning of the season. I know they're ranked very high in the preseason rankings, and, uh, you know, I, I know that they, they've had some setbacks on their roster. Um, you know, they, they had a really highly recruited kid going to Virginia Tech um, as a linebacker. Um, so they've, they've had some adjustments, but their, their kids are still their kids, and their kids still play really hard. They've got some really nice speed on the defensive side of the ball, and their defensive line is pretty impressive. So they, they've got some size up front as well, which have been challenges for us and, and things that we've had to be working on the past two weeks. Um, offensively, they got a freshman quarterback that does a really nice job of setting in the pocket, and he, he's got some nice tools in the backfield too. So we definitely have our hands full on Friday night. It's a, it's a game that, that we're fully aware that this team is uh, hungry after uh, coming off a couple losses, and uh, we need to be at our best. Yeah, I mean, you guys finish uh, with a three and six record. Um, I, that's a step up from one and eight last year. Have you has your team or have your coaches? Have you talked with these kids a little bit about like, you know, where you guys started from at the end of last year to to where you're at this week here? Have you kind of had some time to take stock into what's happened this season? You know, we've really tried to not to not talk a lot about last year, um, and and that's been a plan for me and trying to move forward and, um, you know, keep the kids focused on the future and not the past. Um, you know, Sam even asked me last night in our interview about, you know, our kids maybe are, are they getting too confident and having two wins and, uh, in the, you know, weeks eight, and nine. And I said, you know, we really haven't talked about those wins week eight, and nine, a little bit. Our kids, I feel like right now they are so focused on what's next. And our, our coaches have done a really nice job of talking about the next, step the next mission and getting ourselves better that we really try not to focus too much on the past and maybe that's a mistake um we, we try to thrive off of the the um the success that we've had but we don't focus too much on it because you know um once you get in the playoffs it's winter go home so that's uh, that's kind of where our eyes are set right now mccutcheon mavericks heading down to decatur central friday night take on the hawks winner moves on to the sectional championship and Loser season is done for the year. Coach Josh Strasser of the McCutcheon Mavericks, buddy. You know, it's uh, it's always been a pleasure talking uh, football with you each and every week, and uh, it's my sincere hope that we're doing it again next week and we're talking about the Mavs playing in a sectional championship. Absolutely. We're going we're gonna to give them everything we have, and we hope to see you next week. All right, thanks, Coach. Appreciate you. And the Mavs heading down to Decatur Central to uh, take on the Hawks, and I I hate using the term uh, house money because I think when you, when we say that it's it kind of implies that you really don't have a chance. But I think McCutcheon does have a bit of a chance against Decatur Central. I'm not going to tell you that they're going to go down there and win, but I, I think the way that they have been playing shows me that they do have a chance of going down there, being competitive. They do have a chance to go down there 
and uh, win that football game. But I guess my point is when I say house money, I look at where this program was last year. And when I say that, too, by the way, I want to qualify with that. And, and no disrespect at all to Coach Ken Frahiger. Uh, the years that he put in there shaping uh, young men, just amazing. I, when I say where they started at at the end of last year, that 1-8 season was particularly tough because you know, they ran into injuries, they ran into COVID, I mean, they didn't get to play the sword game. It just seemed like last year, everything that could go wrong went wrong for that team. And then, you know, Coach Strasser gets named uh, back in the spring, and they try to take everything down to the studs here with seeing who would play where, what they would do. So to go from basically point zero to where they are at now, I, I think is is really impressive because when you take into totality what they did this year, I know you're going to say three and six is really not that tremendous, but I, I disagree. You had a completely new coaching staff, new terminology, moving kids, having to get the buy-in and everything too. That is not easy. And they're arguably the fourth best team in the NCC. They're not, you know, they, they, had their shot against Harrison, they hung in there for the half, couldn't finish. You know, Kokomo is is um, you know nine and one six. Well, them and Jeff are right there. Okay, so Harrison, Kokomo, and Jeff. McCutcheon should have beaten Logansport. They beat Muncie Central. Yeah, they beat Tech and Marion the last couple of weeks. But th- those are programs that are supposed to be below them, and they dominated them. Not hung in there and, and, and won by a couple of scores. Running clocks both times. You give them the win against Muncie Central. If they hit that field goal at the end of the game, that's all they have to do is hit that field goal at the end of the game. They're the, they finish fourth in this conference. So I think when you take a look at the early exit last year and just everything that could go wrong did go wrong for them. And then basically having to take this all the way back to the beginning and try to build this thing back up again. Yeah, I I think they did a good job of that this year, all things considered. I I just didn't think coming out of the gates they were going to be able to compete with Harrison and Jeff and Kokomo's had themselves a great year. And yeah, I'd like to see them be more competitive in that, in those games. But I mean, where they really struggled was Jeff, Kokomo, West Lafayette and Harrison. And talk to the three top teams of the NCC and the number one team in 3A. But you put them on somebody else that's a little bit more, you know, average in the uh, in the conference, and look what they did. So when I say I feel like the Mavericks are playing with house money, I say that to a degree of if you are building a foundation of the program here and you needed something rock solid, I think they've done a good job of that this year. Because the teams that they lost to are all pretty darn good. Logansport's okay. Should have kicked that field goal. And by the way, uh, I believe what your your field goal kicker was one of your kickers was injured in going into that game too. Not 
Not saying, just saying. I think the Mavericks are a little bit better than most people will give them credit for here. Uh, I'm not saying they're going to march down there and hand it to Decatur Central. But I'm saying I'm not closing the door on them at all. I'm really not. I think Coach Strasser and what they've done there this year uh, has been very solid. That is a great building block. I think if you get a sectional win here, that really increases the enthusiasm. But I think that there's already going to be a decent level of that going into the offseason. They get the win here today or they come close or on, on Friday, I, I think that goes through the roof. That's That would be a huge luxury to have. Thus, I use the term house money. I, I think they have done the work this year on building a good foundation to continue to develop off of. I mean, you're going to... One of the biggest things you're going to have is you're going to have Owen Smith back next year for a senior year. A kid that's had two years of quarterbacking experience at the varsity level. You can't discount that. I think they got a lot of great stuff that they're going to be able to build off of here. They can go out there and they can get a win. And they are the underdog against Decatur Central. I'm not going to argue that. But if they go down there and they steal a win, oh my goodness. Would that be huge? But I, I love the job they've done over there. Um, to hear Coach talk about how the kids have been responding to everything is uh, very uh, heartwarming. That feels good. I want to see all five of our area programs thrive. I really don't play favorites. I'm not that invested uh, into it, into a specific school. I don't have any kids that go to these high schools. I didn't go to any of these high schools. I just want to see all five of our area teams do well. I want to see the kids thrive, and uh, I want to support our local coaches. Uh, and and I look again. I, I don't like to take sides uh, on any of them. Now, when they play like other teams, like oh, clearly, I'm going to take McCutcheon's side here against Decatur Central. They all play each other. I'd be as impartial as I possibly can be. But you better believe, like we're doing Harrison and Plainfield this weekend on Friday night. You better believe I'm 100% in the tank for Harrison that entire broadcast. We're going to take a break. We'll come back. Hey, uh, Purdue football has their schedule out. The whole Big Ten has their schedule out. Winners, losers, and what we think about this uh, schedule for next year for football. We'll talk about that. And take your text on the Blue Fox Heating and Cooling Hammerhead Hotline, 765-447-4080. That's next on the Hammer Down Show. You got the Hammer Down Show, 1017 The Hammer, 1017TheHammer.com with Jared Jessalitis. You can always reach out to the show by texting the Blue Fox Heating and Cooling Hammerhead Hotline, 765-447-4080. You got your Big Ten football schedules for 2023 out. Uh, that was uh, today at noon. couple things to remember about this is that we've got the new TV deal kicking in this year as well. In 2023. So games will be on CBS, Fox, NBC, Big Ten Network, Peacock. They're going to be able to flex some of these games out to Fridays or other special dates as well. We do know Purdue will not open up on a Thursday night. Those two games are set for, or the one game is set for Minnesota and Nebraska. They will kick things off week one on September. Uh, no, that actually won't even be the, that'll be the last day of, uh, August, the 31st. That game played at Minnesota. Purdue will open up with Fresno State on September the 2nd. Then they go to Virginia Tech at home against Syracuse. And that's the non-con slate. Then you're going to get into hosting Wisconsin and Illinois back-to-back. So there's five weekends in September next year. 
and you're playing home games in four of them. Four of your, um, what, uh, seven games at home? Is that what we're doing? Yeah, four of your seven at, uh, at home are going to be played before October. That's what really stands out to me here. I'm a little shocked by that. Other things that stand out here, um, you, you get the bye week eight, which is a nice place to do it. But you also have Ohio State. You also have a road matchup against Michigan. Did not get any favors done for you here this year in drawing up those teams you have to play from the East when you get the two best ones. That's not great. Your bye week goes right before a road trip to Nebraska, which is not a bad place to have. You're coming off the home game against Ohio State. But holy smokes, whoever takes over a quarterback next year, if that's Brady Allen, That's a heck of a way to open it up. You don't have to go to Minnesota in November. You get that one at home. That's uh, very thankful. I like that. You also uh, host the bucket game on uh, November the 25th. And again, some of this stuff can be flexed, uh, of course, with Thanksgiving weekend, but they already have this Iowa-Nebraska game on a Friday. I don't know if they would do a second one. So that's how it's looking here. I mean, the non-conference is the non-conference. Fresno State is, man, it'll be nice to have them up here. Be quite the experience to go out to Virginia Tech and hopefully get some revenge against Syracuse at home. You get the real pillars of the West early on here. Back to back to back. Wisconsin, Illinois, at Iowa. I mean, you're going to find out real quickly whether or not you got a chance to win the West. If you can get through those three, that's a big if. Even if you can take two out of those three. Not a bad sign. You get a bye week before you have to take on Nebraska on the road. You can be prepared for that one. You have Minnesota at home. And then, of course, again, you'll finish up with the light work that is Northwestern in Indiana. But yeah, Ohio State, thankfully you get that at home. You just always seem to catch those guys here at Rossade. You always have a good shot to do that. Going up to Michigan is going to be, that. that is clearly the hardest game on this schedule. Heading up to Michigan. But if you're a big tailgate fan, you got to love the schedule. you got four games uh, in September. But only one home game in October and two in November. I mean, you're going to have this game against Ohio State on the 14th of October. And you're not going to play again for it's almost a month before you get another home game. November the 11th against Minnesota. It's a big gap to not be in front of your fans. I take a look at other contenders in the West. And again, this will be the last year for the West because... 
they'll probably be messing around with everything once UCLA and USC come into the picture. But, you know, I look at other teams that traditionally contend. Wisconsin gets Rutgers and they get Ohio State. They have a pretty balanced schedule when it comes to when they're at home and when they're away. They only play two home games back-to-back. That's it. Everything else, is, it's like an alternating schedule, but they don't spend back-to-back games on the road all year. you got to like Wisconsin's schedule. Not going to waste my time with Northwestern. Nebraska, I mean, they open up with Minnesota on the road. Non-conference is Colorado, Northern Illinois in... Louisiana Tech. So if they beat Minnesota, they're going to be out to a great start. Then they'll host Michigan. They also draw Michigan State and Maryland out of the East. Minnesota. Eastern, they, get, they start that game against Nebraska at home. They get Eastern Michigan, UNC. They get the Raging Cajuns. Out of the East, they get Michigan, Michigan State, and Ohio State. If anybody didn't get the luck of the draw outside of Purdue, it was Minnesota, who gets Michigan, Michigan State, and Ohio State. Iowa, if they ever found their offense, you know, they get Penn State, and they got Rutgers, and Illinois, who, again, looks darn strong. It's Penn State, Maryland. Tell you what, going into this year, you thought maybe, you would think maybe Illinois would have a good schedule here, but they also got Kansas in the non-conference. Toledo and FAU. I don't know, if Illinois can continue what they're doing this year into next year, you've got to like their schedule. I mean, they get Penn State at home. The road games are Iowa, Minnesota, Maryland, Purdue, and Kansas. And can Kansas do what they did again? I don't know about that. Yeah, no, this is an interesting Big Ten West schedule. I don't think it does Purdue a whole lot of favors. Definitely getting Ohio State and Michigan is not not great. Minnesota's the only other team that gets the top two teams out of the East. Everybody else looks like they just basically get Penn State and Michigan State. Much rather be going through that. Wisconsin, they get the luck here, man. Just Ohio State. And that's really it for them. That's their tough one, and that's at least at home. We're going to take our final break. We'll come back with the things that we may have missed and wrap up the Hammer Down Show next up. Welcome back to the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer and 1017TheHammer.com. Jared Jessalat is with you here. Uh, coming up on tomorrow's show, very excited. Coach Katie Gerald scheduled to be with us here and uh, Coach Shane Fry of the Westside Red Devil. So we'll have an action-packed Thursday show for you. Time for the things that we may have missed. Um, here's the big one today. And I'm so tired of this guy. Russell Wilson told reporters, because remember, they're playing this game against the, uh, was it the Jaguars they're playing on uh, Sunday? I haven't gotten, this, I've gotten NFL yet. Um, but they're playing in London, and so they're flying over. 
Russell told reporters he spent four hours. It's an eight-hour flight. He spent four hours working out and rehabbing on the flight to London. He said he was doing high knees in the aisle while his teammates slept. I can't with this guy anymore. I mean, it's beyond just ridiculous. The subway commercials are creepy. There's all the stories from his uh, ex-teammates talking about how like he doesn't talk to them. If you want to talk to him, you have to book a meeting through his like business manager. It's just really weird. It's not like over the like what uh, it's such diva like behavior, but in like such an amazingly passive aggressive type way. He's just a weird guy, and honestly, much like I used to say with Antonio Brown. Um, his old team deserves a lot of props for keeping all of this stuff either so marginalized or under the rug that nobody knew just how weird the guy kind of is. High knees down a plane aisle while everybody is sleeping. The, I, I, the guy wants to be a, a leader so badly. That he's just annoying the heck out of his co-workers. It's amazing. He's just so awkward. Well, he says he's good to go this weekend, too. We'll see if he gets the start. I, just I, They're paying him way too much money to not let him see the field if he's good to go. I know that. But the Seahawks and Pete Carroll uh, deserve uh, a lot of credit for keeping the shine on Russell, uh, as long as uh, he, you know, as long he was there, because you never got a whiff of any of this stuff while he was out there. It's not until he finally went to the Broncos where you're like, "What's going on with this guy?" Speaking of those situations, Antonio Brown is also back in the news. Anytime I see him trending on Twitter, I really I'm scared to to see why. Now he did stand by Kanye West today. He's going to stay at his position at Donda Sports. When everybody had left this a huge uh, uh, statement about how you know he's forgiving and all this kind of stuff. Okay. That's fine. But also might have something to do with this. Turns out Antonio Brown has been ordered to pay $1.2 million. Remember the truck driver that he attacked? And threw rocks at and stuff like that? Yeah, he's going to have to fork that over. That's like three years ago. He was also on Twitter this week flashing stacks of money and people freeze-framed it. And they were all fake hundreds. They were easily identifiable fake hundreds. Good Lord. And speaking of money, Tom Pelissero has a great story on his Twitter from uh, yesterday evening. About Dalvin Cook, who threw a ball up into the stands, and apparently that results in a fine. A 10%, it cannot exceed 10% of the player's salary cap count for the game. So in this case, it was going to cost Dalvin $7,426 for what he did. Now, he got a 25% reduction. He's going to pay just under $6,000 instead. 
How does that happen? Well, apparently there's something in the CBA that will give a player a chance at a 25% reduction. It's contingent on him not getting fined again this year, and he had to complete an online remedial training course. And he did this. We're talking $1,400 here. That is nothing to that guy. That's like a $5 bill to you and me. And he took the course. <laughs> that is just... I, first off, I didn't realize you could get fined that much for throwing a football into the stands. I guess it makes sense. 10% seems like a lot. You think that's something they would just tell them? I think you can still go up and hand somebody a football. So you just can't chuck it into the stands or kick it in the stands. But I would love to see what a remedial training course is like on throwing a football into the stands. Absolutely ridiculous. Don't go change in NFL. All right, that's going to do it for us on the Hammer Down Show again tomorrow. Uh, Purdue coach Katie Gerald's on with us. Shane Fry on with us. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow, 3 o'clock, here on the Hammer Down Show on 101.